All right. Everybody ready for the Word of God? Ooh, we got, we got uh, dueling music stands here. What am I, I going to do about this? Go ahead and pull out your Bible. Open up to Galatians 5 as I get all my stuff settled here. Anybody having a good morning? Good. Galatians chapter 5. That Bible in your seat, if you don't have a Bible, please take it home with you. Keep it forever. Read it anytime you want. It's for you. Galatians chapter 5. Anybody there? Awesome. We are uh, continuing our series called 50 More Days. We kind of kicked it off on Easter slash the week after Easter, talking about the 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, between uh, the resurrection and a day called Pentecost. For 40 days after Jesus raised from the dead, he appeared to people, uh, doing miracles, preaching the kingdom of God, and uh, trying to get some, some final thoughts across to his people who were going to take, there we go, who were going to take the, the gospel and uh, be faithful to it so that we could be here today. Amen? 40 days he did that, and then he ascended into heaven, and 10 days after that he, uh, he had promised that we would receive the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit filling us, immersing us, fire on us, all that sort of stuff. Did anybody have fun at church last week? Yeah. That was encouraging. We met with God. So we're going to keep going on this 50 more days. We've got a couple of weeks couple of weeks left. At the beginning, I said, don't miss, uh, don't miss a Sunday because God's going to do something uh, over these seven, seven weeks, and I think he has been doing something special. I feel like personally, I've, uh, I've taken kind of, I've moved forward. I've taken a step forward in God in our time together. I hope you have too. Uh, so we're going to be in Galatians 5 uh, today for the beginning of our time. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning, take out something to take notes with. At the top of your page, the title for this message, this talk this morning is, What Goes In Must Come Out. What Goes In Must Come Out. We talked about last week the Holy Spirit filling us. And uh, if you, as you read the Bible, it seems like anywhere God goes in, He aims to also come out. He goes into the Holy of Holies and He tries to get out of there. When Jesus, is, died, when Jesus dies on the cross, He rips the veil and He comes out. When... Uh, uh, when, when he fills us, he, he, he wants to come out. He wants to come out. What goes in must come out. When he went into the grave, he went in to come out. Amen? So the Holy Spirit, when he fills you, he aims to also be let out. What goes in must come out. If you've ever had White Castle, you know this principle is true. Sick. Come on, guys. Grow up. What's not? This is church. Gross. So today, uh, this one message, uh, this is like major disclaimer, I'm going to break all the preaching rules, basically. So uh, we've got about three sermon series worth of messages to do today. So uh, we're going for it. You're going to need your notes, you're going to need your Bible, and you're going to need a pen. And I want you to write in your Bible, I want you to write in your notes. Uh, the purpose of today is, you know, sometimes we get going, or I, I get going at least, and try to get you to come along with me. I get really loud and all that kind of stuff. I don't know that that's going to happen today. Today's going to be more of like... Um, some of you are going to be like, this is lame, I want to go home now. But almost lecture hall style, we're just going to cover a bunch of stuff. Okay? So I want you to take your notes. I've got basically a syllabus I'm running through today. And the point of today is not to answer every question that you have about anything that we talk about. The point today is there's a few doors, now that we have covered Acts 2, there's a few doors uh, of 
how do, we, how do we walk with God now that we're filled with the Holy Spirit? There's a few doors that we need to touch on. And so my goal today is to kind of open each one of these doors and walk in it enough to sort of give some, some handrails for how to navigate it from there so that you can do it on your own. And then when I come back out, we're going to switch doors. Does that make sense? We've got a few big ideas I want to go off of. So the, the purpose of today is not to answer all your questions, like I said, but more so to uh, catalyze you into your own uh, study, your own revelation with God on some of these topics. Can we do that? Yeah. Because you're all big boys and girls. You don't need to be spoon-fed everything. And even if I did three series on all this kind of stuff, I still wouldn't cover all of it anyways. So, you know, why try, right? Just give up from the beginning. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anybody ready to have fun? Awesome. So we're just going to go for it. This is, uh, is going to be 101, but it's going to feel like 401 at some points. Can you bring me that by Yeti. Yeti, if you're listening, send me some free stuff. <laughs> you know. All right, Galatians 5. Sam there if you're there? All right, first topic, number one, the fruit of the Spirit. What goes in must come out. The Holy Spirit's coming in. When the Holy Spirit comes out, it looks like the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to read a few verses here in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Read with me. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the words of the flesh are evident, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. The fruit of the Spirit. I'm sure that if you, uh, if you're, even if you're new to church or if you went to vacation Bible school at all, you definitely remembered a jingle at one point or another to remember the fruits of the Spirit. Am I right or am I right? Anybody, anybody have a song at one point in your life? Yes, the fruits of the Spirit. We've, we've all memorized these fruits of the Spirit before. Maybe not everybody, but almost everybody if you spent much time in church as a kid. And this, this list, this stuff here, starting in verse 22 and 23, this list of stuff isn't new. It's not new things for you. This information isn't new for you. And, and it even says... Against these things, there's no, there's no law against these things. I mean, if you look at this list, like, no one's going to argue with you that these should be things you try to produce in your life, right? I mean, this is not, like, new conceptual things. Like, oh, my gosh, now that I'm a Christian, I never thought that, like, I should love people before. Or, like, that being kind was a good thing. You know, that, that's, that's, not, that's, not what we're, that's not the point here. And the last thing, so I'm not trying to introduce something new to you, and the last thing that I want to do this morning is give you, like, another sermon telling you that you should do this stuff, right? Like, hey, you should be more loving. Anybody need me to tell you that? <laughs> I mean, like, anybody need me to be like, hey, you're, you need to be more patient, right? I mean, like, I know, I know I need to be more patient. I'm well aware of these things. So you don't need another sermon, another pastor telling you that you need to, like, hey, do better, that's not a good sermon. That's not encouraging. That's not going to get you anywhere. You know, be more loving. Do all these things. The, the point of these next couple of minutes is I want to kind of open the door, moving into these things are great. Everybody thinks they're great. 
uh, I want to do these things, and everybody knows that we need to do these things a little bit better, but how? How do I do this? How do I actually see the fruit of the Spirit in my life? How, how, do, I, how do I actually make this, make this happen? I hope to give you just a few handrails on how to start thinking through, what does it look like to actually produce the fruit of, your, fruit of the Spirit in your life? Does anybody want the fruit of the Spirit on your life? Okay, great. That's enough to keep going, for sure. If there was like two, I would have just skipped it, but kidding. Uh, 16 and 17 says this, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The Bible here says, walk by the Spirit. If you want the fruit of the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. I love that, what does that, what does that mean though? I love that, that God, he, he talks about these works of the Spirit, and he, he, he likens them to fruit. I love this language of, of fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. And we talked about some farming concepts a few weeks ago, and Jesus used that a lot in his time. And, um, you know, I, I don't know a lot about farming. I've never done farming, and I've never read the rule book on farming. But I assume that if you were to find the rule book on farming, right up close to rule number one of farming would be that uh, you, get, you only get the type of fruit that corresponds with the seed you sow. I would imagine that that's probably, like, rule number one. Like, if you want apples plant some apple seeds, right? If you want oranges, you need to plant some oranges. If you want corn, plant corn. It doesn't work any other way. You, you're going to get what you want by planting what you want to get, right? Yeah. Anybody read the rule book? Can you affirm that? Or maybe we'll just assume. We'll assume. We'll assume that that's good. So I love that Jesus called, God calls it the fruit of the Spirit. He says if you, if you want the fruit of the Spirit, then you've got to sow the seeds of the Spirit. He's talking about the flesh and the spirit, contrasting them in these verses. And if you want the fruit of the spirit, you need to sow the seeds of the spirit. As Galatians puts it, you need to walk by the spirit. If you want the fruit of the spirit, then walk by the spirit. Because your heart, your heart it's kind of like farming. It's kind of like a soil. What, what goes into the ground is going to come out of the ground. And the truth about your life is what goes into your heart, what goes into your mind, what goes into your spirit, that's what's going to come out. So if you want the fruit of the Spirit, sow the Spirit. Don't walk by the flesh. Say, it's not going to work that way. This long list of, of things, if you, if you start sowing into your life impurity, sensuality, idolatry, all these sorts of things, don't expect love, joy, and peace, and patience to come out. It's kind of like fruit. you got to sow the right seed if you want the fruit in the end. What goes into your heart and your mind, your spirit, and your life, that's what's going to come out of your heart your spirit, your mind, and your life. You could even kind of flip it away, flip it this way if it helps you. What doesn't go in won't come out. What goes in will come out, and what doesn't go in won't come out. We can input the flesh, or we can input the spirit. And the Bible here gives us a very stark contrast between the two seeds, right? Very stark contrast. These lists are uh, opposite, to say the least. There's a very big difference between the flesh and the spirit. It lists all these things in 17 uh, through 17 through 21, 22 and 23. He lists off the fruits of the spirit. He says something else interesting. Not only are these things, not only are these lists not really coming from the same book. These seeds are very different, but they're actually combative. They combat against each other. So even if you plant the two seeds in the same soil, they're going to fight about it. They're not both going to grow well. So you're not really going to get either one. That's a good word right there. Sometimes we're sowing half and half and wondering why the 
both fruit don't taste good. Ouch. I hate that. I do that. Anybody else do that? Let's just be honest. Like, anybody ever likes a little bit of flesh, a little bit of spirit, and then you're like, I don't like either of the results I'm getting. He's saying they're combative. Uh, it says, says this, where, is, where does it say that? Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. They can't cohabitate flesh and spirit in your life. Don't expect to be sowing a little bit of flesh, sowing a little bit of spirit, and reaping good stuff from either one of them. None of this coexists stuff. It doesn't work. It makes a great bumper sticker, but a terrible life. You're miserable either way. It's basically, I mean, and even in Revelation, Jesus, he's talking about a church that's kind of doing it both ways. He's like, you're lukewarm. I wish you'd just pick one. Just pick one, because the lukewarm stuff, I'd rather just spit you out. And you feel that way about your own life when it's half and half, right? Sometimes you're like, wow, Jesus, that's brutal. But have you ever wanted to keep a lukewarm life? I mean, I, I see where he's coming from. I want to spit out my life too when it's lukewarm. Ugh. You want the fruit of the Spirit? You got to sow the Spirit into your life. They are opposite from each other. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If we want the fruit of the Spirit, we've got to be immersed, covered, filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because we don't just need a few new seeds. We need to be made a whole new garden. We need to be made a whole new garden. Because the good thing is, like, the will of God for your life, what he is, what he is trying to produce in you isn't like a few good plants. He's like, wants to make you a whole garden of good fruit. Sometimes we're just like, oh, maybe God will replace like a few of my impatient trees with some patient ones. And if I'm lucky, you know, like I'll get a little bit. And he's like, no, just let me come in, tear the whole thing up, and let's start over and get a whole good garden going. It's the goodness of God. Now, if you're anything like me, you've probably had times where you've tried really hard to see more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Like tried really hard, like so hard, proud of you, you gave it a good, a good shot, but it didn't end up right. <laughs> tried really hard to get, to get it in, into your life. Like you tried really hard, you're like, I'm gonna be more kind. I just I need to be more kind, so I'm just gonna be more kind. <laughs> Nobody talked to me, <laughs> right? <laughs> like you smiled really big, you're like, look how joyful I am. Like, like hey God, uh, I'm miserable, but I'm joyful. You know, we're trying so hard. Or for me, like there was, for me, one of these things, patience is like every time I read this list, I'm like, take it off the list. <laughs> just get it off the list, please. Like patience, it's just no good. Like, I, so I've tried really hard to be more patient in the past. Really hard. I, you know, I just tell myself, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to freak out. It doesn't matter. It wasn't a big deal. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to scream. And then bang, you explode, right? You do great for like a week. And then it's like, Boom, you're in the garage with a hammer, smashing scrap wood, plywood, and splinters are going everywhere, and you have no idea why. Anybody? Or is that just me? Okay, cool. Super Christians. Way to go, everybody. We're right. I mean, you try so hard, but then you just snap. It doesn't, it doesn't work. I've got good, good news for you. 1 John 4, 9 through 11 and 19 says this. It says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is, 
We get, sorry, verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Want to remember verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 19 says this. We love because he first loved us. When we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, I want you to know that you can only give what you've been given. Sometimes I'm trying to give stuff I haven't gotten from God. I haven't taken the time to receive something, but I'm trying to give it away. You can only give what you have. It's verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Sometimes I walk around trying to love people, not really believing I even was ever loved in the first place. It's hard to give what you don't have. If we want to love, we have to understand how we've been loved. Here's what I mean. Patience, for example, for me. Patience isn't going to come by me pretending not to be miserable, not to be frustrated, or whatever, like just for a moment so that I can explode later. That doesn't count as patience. That's not patience. I don't know what that would qualify as, but it's definitely not patience. Patience, or whatever the fruit of the Spirit is that you're really, you know, focusing on, you're saying, yeah, that, maybe that's the one for me. Whatever it is, it's, it's going to be, it's going to come from you being covered in the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, Oh, cool pastor thing to say, but it's true. It's only going to come from being covered in the Holy Spirit. Here's what I mean by this. We love because he first loved us. In verse 11, he says, beloved, if this is how we've been loved, let us love other people. In other words, if you want to love other people, learn how you've been loved. If you want to be patient, ask God how he's patient with you. Ask him to show you all the instances where he's been patient with you. And you all of a sudden realize, oh my goodness, that's patience. And you start looking around, it's like, you're good. Trust me. You should hear what God just told me about me. That was generous. Is that making sense? We've got to get covered in how God has loved us. If you want the character of God coming out of you, you've got to take time to let the character of God come into you. God, how have you loved me? God, when you open your Bible and you read it, Lord, what about this should make me joyful? Don't just open it up and say, yeah, I know, it should be joyful. What else is in here? How, is this, how have you loved me? How are you kind to me? Lord, where have you been kind to me? Because I'm having a hard time being kind to this person. So show me how you're kind to me, and then that way I can actually give that kindness away. I can be kind like you've been kind to me. We've got to have it coming in if we want it coming out. So here's a little practical as we, as we wrap up this part one of our syllabus today. We doing okay? Okay. If you, want to grow, if you want to grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life, um, I'm going to give you a really soft, like, cushy self-help answer. It's not going to be that at all. So here's what, I'm going to give you like a 30-day 30 30 uh, experiment for you to run in your own life if you want to do this. Make it 15 if you want, or 10, or 5. I don't care. Just try this. <laughs> if, you actually, if you want to see more fruit of the Spirit growing in your life, do this. Take, take X amount of days. Look at the list in Galatians 5, 22, and 23. Read that and say, okay, Holy Spirit, would you highlight one or two of these things that you want to grow in me in the next X amount of days? Okay, I know you could look at it and come up with your own, but just ask God to highlight one, maybe two. Is that making sense so far? It's super complicated, but you can do it. Highlight one or two of these in my life right now. So that's step one. Step two is cut out all the stuff in your life that doesn't put that fruit inside of you. So like all the stuff that doesn't put the fruit of the Spirit in your life, cut that out. So like if I was trying to be nice, 
or if, if I wasn't trying to be nice, this is, this is what I would say. I would say take out all the junk in your life that's putting like fleshy, junky, goopy gook in your life. So like all the movies where there's like humans killing other humans and everybody makes out with everybody and has sex with whoever they want, like right there on the screen, like all that stuff, just get that out. And then the music that sings about all that stuff, just rip, take that out too. And then like, you know, those Instagram profiles that you follow that just make you like really sad about your life and wish you like looked better and made more money. Get all those out, just like rip it out. But I'm not going to tell you to do all that because that wouldn't, that'd be offensive. And I, I just don't want to offend you. So take it and do what you want. So, you know, take some things out. And then for the next 30 days or however many days it is, ask God to show you how he's given you that fruit. How have you shown me this fruit, God? Just for 30 days. Just turn your ear to him and listen. When you open up the Bible, like I said, read it asking, okay, God, let's say, let's say it's kindness. Okay, God, would you show me in your word to say, I don't care what you're reading. Just ask him, Lord, would you show me your kindness in these verses this morning? It's simple. You don't have to learn a lot. Just let him, let him love you. Let him love you. Ask him, how does this give me self-control? What about this truth teaches me I can have self-control? Here's the final thought I want to give you on step one to summarize all of it. If you'll garden the seeds of the Spirit, you'll see the fruit of the Spirit. If you'll garden the seeds of the Spirit, you'll see the fruit of the Spirit. Ready to go to work? Get some farming, get your hands dirty, you know. How, how long should we run with this analogy? You know, dirty your fingernails. Anyways, all right, part one. How was part one? Okay, it was decent, I can tell. It's all right. All right, part number two, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be here for a while, the next 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. Number two, the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, boy. Here we go. Some time. The gifts of the Spirit, part two. 1 Corinthians uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to a church that he has started, and they are running into some serious problems. They are very high maintenance and uh, super selfish, kind of. They've got all kinds of trashy stuff going on inside their church. And, um, you know, so anytime Pastor Sam gives me a hard time, I just think about the Corinthians. No, I'm kidding. Sam's amazing. Sam's never done anything wrong, I don't think, in his whole life. So uh, 1 Corinthians, he, Paul's writing to this church that he has started, and, and first. Throughout the book, he's, he's trying to straighten them out on some things they've gotten really, really wrong. Like, basically what they've done is they're kind of taking the gospel that they received at first, and they're starting to mix it with a bunch of other stuff, like other religions and idols. They're taking it and kind of just, like, keeping what they want and getting rid of what they don't want and making it all about them and all that kind of stuff. So he's writing these letters to say, like, hey, guys, we started off really good. We've gotten a little squirrely. Let's, let's bring this back in front and center. I need to get you back on track here. Is that making sense to everybody? So 1 Corinthians 12, he's dealt with a whole bunch of things for chapters 1 through 12. And in chapter 12, he starts dealing with spiritual gifts because they had done the same thing with spiritual gifts. And in verse 1, he says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one, in, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. Basically, he's communicating his heart in this. He's saying, like, I'm not trying to, like, yell at you or anything. I just don't, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be led astray on this stuff. So I just, I need to set some things straight. So that's kind of what we're going for right here with the gifts of the Spirit, right? Does that make sense? This, let's not be uninformed. Let's read what the Bible has to say, and let's run with it. Amen? Anybody? Okay, cool. So where are we at here? 
Boom. You got that box? How beautiful is that? I want you to draw that in your notes. It's complicated, I know. So this is like, this is a box, and we're going to talk about the four sides of this box that are kind of going to be, how do, how, how do we think about, how do we build a theology on, how do we practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit? There's going to be four little handrails, and some of you are already like, um, you can't put God in a box, but <laughs> I'm not, and I'm over it, so we're, doing, we're going with the box. So verse, verses one through three, he, he, he tells them, I don't want you to be uninformed. And then there's all these other idols and people are saying crazy stuff, which is totally true about today, right? There's like all kinds of things going on around and about God and especially about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is absolutely true. And, and this, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, this is one of those topics uh, where there's like, there's frankly a lot of like really bad teaching out there about what the Bible does and doesn't say about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you're new to church and you're like, there's... I thought everybody said the same thing. Sometimes we're a mess, just, but we're going to try to ratchet down on the, what the Bible actually says here, right? So we're going to try to set some things straight here. So we're building this box. Here we go. Again, not going to answer every question, but again, trying to tap on some few things so that you can take it yourself and go deeper with God. Amen? Okay, cool. So number one, well, the first side of the box I want to talk about is now. Are the gifts of the Spirit for today? Big question that a lot of people ask. So it's kind of, frankly, hard to believe for me when I read the Bible that this is like a thing. But some people argue that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were only for the apostles. So they were for 12 guys as long as they were alive. And then after those guys dead, there were, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't work in these gifts anymore. So that's kind of a thought process out there. So it might be news to you, and you might think, okay, I've never heard that before. Maybe you believe that. Maybe you've been taught that. Uh, but it's a, it's a thing that's out there. So for today, all I'm going to say specifically about this question of now is, is this, this one thing, and then hopefully the rest of our time can kind of uh, build, build around this foundation. That's why I put it on the bottom. Wasn't that creative? That, see how I did that? I was thinking about you. So um, it, all, all I want to say is that it is, it is the will of God for you to live empowered and gifted by the Holy Spirit, period. Also, there's nothing in the Bible or in history that hints at or points to Jesus dying, raising from the grave, and filling so that only 12 people could be filled with the Holy Spirit for like a couple of decades and nobody else got any. That's not, that's not anywhere. So, yes, they are for now. The Holy Spirit working in and through your life is a real thing, and it's the will of God for you. Amen. Piggybacking on last week's message, if you want more on that, just podcast. <laughs> Number two, me. Do I have gifts of the Spirit? Yes. That's the answer. Yes, you are gifted by the Holy Spirit. My question for you in this is like, well, what are my gifts? You know, like, I, everybody, it sounds fun. Everybody wants a gift, right? That sounds great. What are my gifts? What do, what do I have? What has God given me? And I don't know the specific answer to that, but some questions that could be helpful for you as you work through how has God gifted me is what, what's in you that you're good at, that you love, and that helps other people? Super spiritual, right? What, what's in you that you're, you're actually you're good at it and you really love to do it, and when you do it, it like really blesses other people? Whether it's one person or a thousand people, when you do that thing, it just, man, builds people up. That's God in you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. From my mother's womb, he called me. Remember the song we were singing? He put it in you. It's a gift from God on your life. 
Verse seven in, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians says this, to each, does each include you? It sure does. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So the question, what's my gift? How do you contribute? That's your gift. What do you, what do you bring to the table? What do you love to do? What are you good at that when, that when you do it, it blesses other people? You bring that to the table and we need it because God just hasn't given it to you because that's like your circus trick, right? Like, oh man, I'm gonna be, I'm, I get that one, you know? It's, why? For the common good. In other words, I need you doing that thing. Please do it <laughs> for me, you know? 1 Corinthians, I'm going to give you a couple of references I want you to write down. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11 lists several different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these are, they're usually the ones that people get freaked out about. Just, you know, if you haven't read it, those are the ones. And then Romans 12, 6 through 8 lists another kind of set different types of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 lists another one. And th these lists aren't, um, uh, what's, the whole, what's the word? They're not uh, the whole thing. Exhaustive. Exhaustive. Thank you. I'm smart promise. So if you want to know, like, kind of get started, what are some gifts? Check out these verses. Some don't really sound spiritual. Some sound super spiritual. But that's not the point. Whether they sound spiritual or not, God's put it in you. And it's a gift. And, and it is valued, and we need it. This is so cool to me. In, in the Old Testament, in Exodus 31, the first time in the Old Testament that is recorded of, of somebody getting filled with the Holy Spirit it's not like the king, it's not any of these sort of things. God comes uh, to Moses and he says, hey, I'm going to party. I love it. Oh, it's so fun. In Exodus 31, God shows up and he says, okay, I need a temple built. I'm not going to fill you to write the plans. I'm going to fill the craftsmen to build it. The first time people get filled with the spirit of God was so they could build stuff. How cool is that? So that doesn't sound spiritual, but it mattered. So what you bring to the table really matters. So for example, is anybody thankful for Chad Hockett, who stands up here almost every week and leads us in worship? Anybody thankful for that? Yes. Okay, yes, yes. He's up here like almost every single week. He's not even in charge of the team. And he's like a you know, really good musician. We're thankful for that. But that's not just that. Like it's a gift on his life for you. Do you get built up? Do you get encouraged? Have you ever felt welcomed here at church? Ever, like, you ever felt anything like, oh, somebody said hi to me. That was really nice. Lindsay Frazee, gift of hospitality on her life, right? You've been to her house, you get the same thing. It's not just like, oh, you're good at, like, setting things up. No, it, that, that's a gift of God on your life. I was at Brad Huff's office the other day. He leads a company in town. Man, killing it. I walked in, I was like, wow, I would love to work here. It's a gift of God to lead on his life. Amen. So are there dads in the room? You ever seen your wife be more kind to your kids than you? That's a gift. That's a gift from God. Some of you are creative. Some of you are administrative. Some of you are detailed. Some of you are dreamers. Some of you are street smart. Some of you are book smart. Some of you are encouraging. Some of you are up front. Some of you are behind the scenes. But God has anointed you to do that thing that you do. And we need it. Yes, you are gifted. I want you to write this down. God has given me gifts. God has given me gifts. And I will be most alive when I give it away. God has given me gifts and I will be most alive when I give it away. How are we doing? I got louder than I was anticipating. Number three, more. Still got your box? 
Still got that box you're putting God in? <laughs> more, 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 more. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. This word, earnestly desire. In the, in the Greek, it's the word zeloo or something. And it's the word where we get the word zeal from. And it's used three times in these, or four times in these three chapters. This earnestly desired concept. So you can write it down if you want. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, 13, 4. four you got it. Okay. Just keep that up there for a second. So those references. This is interesting to me when a word starts getting repeated, right? Like, there's probably a reason for that. He uses this word, and there's, another, there's other ways that kind of you could translate this to communicate the mm behind the word, okay? So this word zeal means to burn, to burn with zeal, to be heated or boiled. This is getting intense. It means to, like, exert oneself, take, put some effort into it, seek after. And honestly, another way it's translated is envy or lust. Like, you feel that? He's saying, like, ah, the spiritual gifts. Like, burn for those things. Have a zeal to work out in your gift. Exert yourself towards giving your gift, operating in your gift. There's almost this sense of getting before God and, like, some of you aren't going to like this, but getting before God in a place of confidence and in the truth and in humility and fullness of believing what he actually wants to do and almost putting a demand that this happened in my life. Saying, God, I have to have you move through me. I have to welcome people into my house for your glory. I have to. Would you use me? It's powerful. I have to have this. In the same way that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not in this additional theology that's in the amendment of the Bible, like if you want to try this, neither should the gifts of the Spirit be in your own life and in our life as a church. They are to be not just, not shied away from, but actually expected, welcomed, and earnestly desired. Yes, Holy Spirit, work in us. Talking about gifts, it can carry this connotation that it's selfish, you know, like, oh, I don't know, like, I don't want everybody to look at me, it's all for God, and somebody, like, you do something, somebody does a good job, and you're like, oh, it was all Jesus, you know, and it's like, don't look at me, and just... Just the messenger, you know, which is like, yeah, totally true, but like God wants to work through you. It's awesome. It's not selfish. God is imploring you, I want to work through you. He has a deep longing to work through you. What was that one, more? Are we good on more? Like, come on, God, it's gotta be more. Okay, final side of our box here. Number four, for him and them. Him and them. Gifts are given by God for God and for God's body. What's the reasoning behind the gifts, okay? So we're good. Yes, they're for now. They're for me. I should want them more. But what's the end goal here? The end goal is the glory of God and the building up of his church. That's why God has gifted you. So you don't have to worry about being selfish because it's not about you. It's all for God and it's all for people. And so when people come up and say, man, that really meant a lot when you did that, you just be encouraged, okay? Like, man, I was working out in the power of God right there. That's awesome. Right? We doing okay? My, my, what I want to share with this is just don't be afraid of your gifts. I think it's been, it can be pushed down so much. And maybe you even come from a background that's like, hey, don't, don't be flashy. Don't do that. Like, it's all about God. Shh. You know? Don't worry. You don't have to worry about being selfish when you're doing it all for God 
If somebody else thinks you're being selfish, whatever. They're not judging you in the end. Jesus is. So let's just stay clear there, huh? Woo! I figured I'm already saying offensive things. I might just keep throwing them out there, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 says this. I am going to finish this sermon on time. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everybody. Say everybody. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Your gift is not a selfish desire and it's not from the devil. It is put in you for the glory of God. He gave it to you because he thought it was right to give it to you. Oh, that's good. We could stay there for like two more hours. Should we do that? No. <laughs> so verse seven, again, I think I've read it, but it says to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So this is the why behind it all. Why are you good at that thing? Because it's for everybody else's good. Are we, are we good on this for him and for them? Verses 12 through the end, 31 of chapter 12, the talk goes into this whole analogy of the body. Verse 12, he says this, For just as one body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, so you're part of the whole. Sometimes we get distracted, like, I need to have that gift. But no, the point is we're a part of the whole. He goes on to say, like, what body, what, what good does it do if the eye says to the foot, man, I wish I was a foot. I'm going to stop being an eye because I can't be a foot. Where, and he says, then how would you see? Or if it, what does the ear say to the nose? Like, you're worthless. Where would the sense of smell be? We need to be secure in who we are. We need to be humble about who we are. And we need to celebrate who we aren't. In other words, you need to celebrate what is in other people that's not in you. Don't get jealous. Don't get discouraged. Thank God that he put that person close enough to you for you to benefit from what they got and you didn't. Come on now. Can we all smile about that one? Are you thankful for your neighbor in church today? That's the point. That's what I'm trying to get at here. All right. We're moving on. Write this final thing down. Gifts are functional, not fancy. Gifts are functional, not fancy. Some of you have probably seen a lot of weird examples of people bragging about their gifts and making it as fancy as possible so that they could be the guy, they could be the girl, they could make a bunch of money, they could get real famous. Clearly, it's not the point. Not to say you can't be up front. Sometimes you gotta be up front. I have to get up here to encourage you, right? I mean, I'm... Not, I'm not trying to be fancy. I'm trying to function, right? Okay, anyways. We're on the same team, right? Okay, so that's our box. Our box is well built. Now God can blow it up. There, everybody good? Yeah. All right, part three, part three, part three. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Focus, guys, come on. I'm on a time crunch here. Part three, here's the home stretch. Number three, prophecy and tongues. We're talking about this because this is what people have the most questions about, and these two get their whole chapter of the Bible. Chapter 14. 
1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Say, built up. So many times we get to prophecy in tongues. Even when we get in the spiritual gifts conversation, like most of the time people are good with all of them except these two because they're like kind of strange, you know? Like prophecy, even that one I can kind of get my mind around that one a little bit, but tongues, it is just, that is weird. That's out there. Let's just not do that. But it's right here in the Bible. We have to deal with it. We've got to deal with it. So question, one: is this allowed? Like, are those things even allowed in church? Well, if we read verses 1 through 5, not only is it allowed, but it is, these both are strongly encouraged. Hmm. Here it is, verse 5. Now, I want all of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Doesn't get more clear than that, Right? Yes, these are allowed and encouraged. Paul's writing in response to a church that's been doing a little wrong, and he's saying, even though you've done it wrong, don't throw it away. And for you in here, even though you've seen some of this stuff done very poorly, don't throw it away. Don't throw it away just because somebody messed with it, right? That doesn't make it wrong. It makes them wrong. Okay. So what is tongues and what is prophecy? Or what are tongues? What is tongues? Don't know. So... 14, 1 through 5 gives us something very, very clear that goes just in line with everything we've been talking about thus far. Both prophecy and tongues are given for the building up of the church. That's the main reason, right? Paul says, I want you to do this because it builds up yourself as an individual. He says, I'm talking about tongues. He says, uh, when you pray in tongues, it builds up an individual. And how many of you know strong individuals make a strong whole, Right? Okay, so that counts as a building up of the church. And then he says, but when you prophesy, it builds up everybody. So this is, these are given for the building up of the church, tongues individually and prophecy corporately. And these gifts are given to help us dialogue with God. These are, these are elements of prayer in so many ways, both the prophetic and tongues. There's, there's a connotation of prayer. Verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. Don't we call that prayer? You're praying. That's what it is. Sometimes if you've, if you've ever been around teaching or discussion about tongues, it can be referred to as a personal prayer language. Where this is just how I, it's just this prayer language that I have with God. I don't understand it. Paul goes on to say, he's like, I don't, I'm not speaking with my mind. I'm just praying in tongues and believing that I'm, I'm, I'm speaking with God. And in verse 2, he says, you speak not to men but to God, for, one under, for no one understands them, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gives you the gift of tongues, you're essentially receiving a spiritual language for prayer. Write that down. For prayer, personal strengthening, and evangelism even. These are these, two fun these three functions that we see. Number one, prayer. I'm moving, aren't I? I told you, write it down and dig into it later. Number one, we are given tongues for prayer. Verse two, it says you speak to God. You're, he says you speak to God and you're uttering mysteries of the spirit. I don't know exactly what that means, but I will take that all day long. 
just like declaring the mysteries of the spirit of God. I don't have to know it. I just participate, right? That's my attitude on it at least. Verse 14 or verse 15 of chapter 14 says, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. He's saying, don't ditch praying so that everybody else can understand you. Just do both. One builds you up and one works with everybody else. Hey, worship team, we're just not gonna get there, you know what I'm saying? Y'all can sit down. There's a lot of other verses about this. Clearly, we don't have time to get into it. So number one, prayer. Number two, personal strengthening is a function of tongues. Verses two through five, we've read them many times. It says, when you pray in tongues, you, you up build, you build up yourself. You build up yourself. Tongues are a gift from God for you to use to strengthen yourself. If you have the gift of tongues or if you press in, you earnestly desire the gift of tongues and God gives you the gift of tongues, pray in tongues as much as you want. Do it a lot because it strengthens your spirit. Okay, so... I don't know exactly how that works or how it goes, but, and I'm gonna ma- get made fun of this one, but I love doing CrossFit, okay? So someone else is gonna come, oh, cool, you're doing CrossFit. So I love doing CrossFit, and right now the, there's all, the CrossFit Games, which is kind of like the Olympics of CrossFit, is coming up soon. The whole idea behind CrossFit is that these upper, these amazing athletes, they train all year long doing every imaginable discipline of fitness to train for this one week event where they don't know the workouts beforehand, they don't know the movements beforehand, they just have to be ready for anything. It's kind of like life, right? You have no idea what's coming or how to get through it. But praying in tongues is like the training all year long to get as fit as possible for whatever comes your way. He's saying you're gonna build up yourself. You don't know necessarily what for, but you're gonna need the strength for something. And so for me, I love praying in tongues. I do it all the time, like all the time throughout every day, like all the time, because as far as I'm concerned, I don't know what's coming around the corner, and I want to be as strong as possible for that. And I don't know what's coming around the corner for you. And you might need some help. And I might need to not just carry what I can carry, but you may need some help too. So I want to get strong for me, but I want to get strong for you. And if God's going to give me a gift that I don't understand to do it, I'll jump in for you. Amen? We're really close to being done. The third thing of tongues, we, we got to go there, right? I mean, it's helpful, right? It's a lot, but I'm just coming at you. But we got we to go in there. You can't just open this door halfway and walk away, right? Like, let's go there. Um, so the last thing is evangelism. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. It says they start speaking in other tongues, and then all these other nationalities gather around, and they're saying to each other, how are we hearing these guys spread the, preach the gospel in our language? They started speaking languages they didn't know. It happens. That's cool. So one time I was on a trip with some friends in college to South Texas. We would do it every year for spring break. A couple hundred college students, we'd go down to South Texas, and we would do these dramas in the parks like that would uh, demonstrate the gospel. And a lot of people, most people down there speak Spanish, maybe a little bit of English. So you kind of hit and miss on if you run into somebody who knows English or not, and I didn't really know Spanish. So we're about to do this drama. We're inviting everybody we know, and I run into this guy who I'm like, hey, man, we're about to do this thing coming over, and he's like, you know, no hable English, or, yeah, it's pretty good. 
So clearly he doesn't speak English. So I was like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going to go for it. I've read this in the Bible. I'm going to try it. So I just start pointing like I know what I'm saying and speaking in tongues right to him. And I'm like, I don't know, whatever. And I just like, I'm like, I guess I should stop now. And he's like, he's looking at me the whole time. And he starts talking back to me. And I was like, oh, I don't know what you're saying. So I just kind of nod. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I just like keep praying in tongues, pointing over there. And he's like, he's like, yeah, basically like I can tell you, say, okay, I'll be there. I'm like, Whatever that was, it worked. Either he's freaked out or it really did work. I don't know. He ends up coming with his, with his little kids. They all end up giving their lives to Jesus. People who speak Spanish who are with us give them Bibles and sit down teaching them how to read the Bible for themselves. Wow. Do I understand it? No. Did I do it right? No idea. Was it worth it? Oh, yeah. So there's an introduction on tongues. Lastly, in closing, <laughs> prophecy. Gosh, this is three weeks in a row that I've gone long. Those poor children's workers. Ugh. Okay. We're good for one more big sip. Okay, prophecy. Most people, when they think of prophecy or prophets, they picture like really old ancient guys in robes with long beards saying really weird stuff telling the future. Anybody? Okay, cool. That's fair because that's true. That's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of the prophetic in the Old Testament, but that's not the whole story. It's part of the story, but not the whole story. So prophecy and prophets, they've looked different all through history, but I want you to get this. The core of prophecy has always been God speaking to his people. That's the core of prophecy. When you hear prophecy, there's, there's you know, elements and offshoots and practices and all that stuff, but the core is God's trying to say something. God is speaking to his people. So, as a function in the church, among us, verse 3 in chapter 14 tells us this. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Okay? So, well, what counts as prophecy? What counts as God speaking and all of those sorts of things? The Bible is pretty clear here. When something is spoken that is, that is, that is anointed by God to, for, for building somebody up, so another, other words are like edification, uh, promoting growth. So when something gets spoken to you, like especially, so I came up and I read that verse earlier. That wasn't part of the plan. We were just asking God in the middle of worship, Lord, are you saying anything? I felt like God was on Isaiah 49. We read that. Did that build you up? That's what we call like a prophetic moment, a prophetic word. God was speaking to you in the moment. It's always there, but he was speaking it, right? Encourages. He says from their encouragement. Other words that can be translated here is exhortation, admonition, or like calling to put courage in. I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and prayed for me and said, hey, I feel like God's, uh, God wants to say this to you. Actually, Isaiah 49 is one of my like, life verses. Listen, O coastlands, give attention to people from afar. The Lord has called me. That's like a word that God gave me because I used to sell window cleaning door to door. Discouraging. Not windows, window cleaning. And I would turn around from so many doors feeling like a total loser because I just graduated from a great college with a business degree and I'm part-time in a discipleship school. Just got married to my wife and that person looked at me like I was an idiot. And everything in my life is saying, wow, you're a loser. And between that door and that street to go to the next door, listen, O Coastlands, give attention to everybody who's listening, every demon in hell and every feeling I've got. The Lord has called me from the body of my mother. He named my name. I am a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand. Come on, somebody, right? 
It's calling me. There's things that I say up here on a Sunday because I've been praying for you all week that hits you and you're like, man, that, I want to, yes, that was me. You know, it's that stuff from God that's like, this is who you are. I'm calling you to it. Calling. And consolation for comfort. Sometimes you're going through stuff and you need a word from God. You need a word from God. And he comes in and somebody comes up to you or something happens. You listen to a, the right song at the right time. Somebody says something. Somebody prays for you. And it's just, man, that was, that was God. That was just a normal phrase. But, man, God was on that. That was, that was prophetic. That was God speaking to me. A healthy church is a prophetic church. We have to be a people who know how to hear the voice of God and that know how to share it with each other for upbuilding, for encouragement, and for consolation. Don't you want to come to church with that expectation? Don't you want to go to life group with that expectation? Man, God's going to give me something to encourage someone today. Wow, what if we're always listening with those ears? Maybe you had somebody pray for you on a Sunday morning or a life group, and you're like, wow, that was kind of weird. That's never happened before, but I'm like feeling really good about that. That was God. And you can do that. You can hear God. I could go on forever with personal stories or prophetic words that have been given to me that have changed my life. Isaiah 49 and so many others. And it's been so cool to be a part of giving them so many times. And God has the same thing for you. You are allowed to hear God for others' edification, encouragement, and consolation. You're encouraged to because it builds them up. Anybody ever needed to get built up? Cool, then we all need it. Here's the bottom line of this whole thing, everything, parts one through three. 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love. We skipped, ver we skipped chapter 13 because we didn't have another two hours. But pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. This week was a part two of last week's part one message, right? We've got to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have got to let him out. Because the world is hungry and they need some good fruit. The world's struggling and they need some strong people come along in the power of God, doing what God put in them to do, anointed by the Holy Spirit to give them the right thing at the right time. Amen? Amen. All right, why don't you go ahead and stand up. I'm gonna pray for you as we end our service this morning. Way to go, class. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna pray for you. Um, if, if, you're, if there's anything in here that you're like, I want that, why don't you go just put your hands out in front of you like this. Kind of like, yeah, give me that, right? Because we can only give what we get. Jesus, thank you so much for uh, every person in here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time this morning. Uh, thank you for being with us, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for your baptism, for your immersion, for your covering. I pray right now, God, over every person here, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and fire to do what it is that you called them to do. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, uh, that we would all appropriately take up this invitation to walk in the Spirit. Pray that you'd show it, Lord. I thank you. It's an invitation to receive. So Lord, I pray over every open hand to receive the character of God this week in a new way, to see the love of God in a new way and let it flow out. And Lord, I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. I thank you for this church, this body that you are putting together. I thank you that you've given uh, to each one of us a manifestation of your Spirit for each other's good. Lord, I ask right now, God, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Lord, all of them, 
All of them. Encouragement, tongues, prophecy, miracles, power, hospitality, teaching, everything, Lord. I pray that this week, every single person in here would hear your voice. I pray to God that every person in here, as they do something this week, that, you would, that you'd highlight it. There'd just be that, wait, there'd be something extra on it and that you'd speak to them. That's what I put in you. I pray encouragement over every person. Would you give us an awareness to understanding our gifts? And lastly, God, I pray a zeal inside of us, a zeal after the spiritual gifts, a zeal to pursue love, and a, a need, God. Give us a hunger, a burning, a burning, Lord, for more, for more in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.